This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as the basis for investment decisions. Podcast guests and their clients may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Three Wise Monkeys podcast, a weekly podcast that's all about the markets and investing. My name's Andrew Page, founder of strawman.com, and once again, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Mr. Claude Walker from Ethical Equities. Hi. And Matt Joss from mattjoss.com. Thank you, Andrew. Very happy to be here. Guys, what are we going to talk about this week? Claude, you've, you've been doing a bit of research today, a lot of reading on results that are out. What yeah, not you... so much research, but just keeping up with the uh, quarterly four Cs this afternoon. Mm. I have a lot to catch up on. Mm. Okay, some good news, some not so good news. And as it has been long promised, we are going to try and um, check off a whole bunch of questions we've got from viewers. And as always, thanks for sending those in. We'll do our very best to answer them. But first, Claude, we are going to talk about a number of these quarterly updates that have been released to the market just these, this week. First, tell us a little bit about why it is that some of these companies are reporting quarterly. Most people will be aware of the six monthly reporting requirement. Why have we got these companies doing quarterly reports? Right. So some of the companies uh, have to report quarterly because they haven't r- reached certain cash flow requirements. Right. But others, such as Dicadata, just choose to give a quarterly update. Oh, very nice of them. Shall we start with Dicadata? Yeah, sure. You know, that's a, uh, a stock that I've held for a while. I've liked it for even longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to Tony Hansen for, in fact, first introducing me to that one. Hi, Tony. It's a great uh, dividend stock. It has management that we've talked about before on this very podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put out their quarterly guidance, I guess it was, today. And the good news is that they're going to beat their previous guidance by about 8%, they say. And shares shot up six odd percent or so in the wake of these results. Well, that is actually a pretty big move for Dicadata. I should mention, by the way, that revenue is going to fall just short of um, 1.5 billion. So they didn't get their revenue quite right in terms of their forecasts, but a little bit of margin improvement sees them... Doing very well. Great. And just for those that aren't familiar with Dicadata, what the hell do these guys do? Oh, they're basically distributors for IT equipment. Hardware so, yeah, componentry. We, we've talked about it on another podcast and mm-hmm. also you can find the... Oh, actually, it's a hidden report on ethical equities on Dicadata. But I'm happy to see that one because it's a hidden report. I'm happy to see that in particular do well. It's a big holding for me, my fifth biggest holding. Right. And I actually topped up a little bit more this morning. I was going to ask you about that. So what in particular was it that made you feel as though you needed more exposure to Dicca? I just like to gradually accumulate companies that I think are high quality stocks. Mm-hmm. And I believe that it takes years to really get to know whether management are as honest and competent as I would like them to be. Yep. And so far, I just keep on liking what I see from Dicadata. You know, it's a really, I find it a really, I don't know about you guys, but I find it a very tough discipline to do that. Just, you know, you, you buy into a lot of these companies and, and all of us like the small cap space and there'll be some certainly early stage companies there. There's a lot of potential, a lot of excitement. That's why we buy them. But then in those instances where the thesis starts to play out, it's it can be psychologically hard to buy more when that's sometimes at very high percentages above what your initial buy price is. Matt, do you struggle with that? 
Yeah, I think it's a, a core um, lesson for me over the last few years. I kind of sum it up as buy low and then buy higher. Yeah. So trying to buy more of a company as the thesis unfolds. Uh, yeah, I think it's a really good approach. I think it, you need to do it just um, at least a little to overcome that bias because you anchor to the price you first bought. Um, so I think continuing to buy as the thesis unfolds is really good. And it's that, that issue too of, yes, okay, the price isn't as good as it once was, but the outlook is far more certain. So you, you are you are paying a higher price, but at the same time, you're getting a higher degree of certainty. Yeah, more certainty and hopefully the intrinsic value increases over time, right? So it's not a one-time thing. Some new news comes out, you can upgrade your valuation estimate and buy more if it's yeah. still cheap. In fact, in that, in that line of thinking, you might actually pay a higher price but get better value. Yeah, absolutely. It's very possible. All right, let's move on. We've got a lot to cover here. Okay, so before we move on from Dicker, so that's that's clearly still a buy from you and, and one that listeners should check out. Yeah, yeah, it's a good stock. I really like it. How about Volpara? Now, Volpara, you're also a shareholder I in Volpara? I own a very small holding of Volpara. Yep. I sort of progressively sold down when it was trading around a dollar to a dollar forty. I think you've mentioned that previously. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I sold down mostly because I thought valuation was stretched and the guidance was very optimistic. Mm. And after the last quarter's result, you could see... So the ones released just this week? No, so oh, sorry. the ones this that were released today was the Q3 results. Mm-hmm. After the Q2 results, you could see that if you modeled what they would have to achieve to achieve their guidance, they had to have like basically this heroic acceleration of... ARR, which is annualized recurring revenue growth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, to my mind, it was not very, but like, likely. And was that guidance, Claude, given when they raised capital? Yeah. That so that yeah. that Ooh. guidance was given around the time I can't actually recall mm-hmm. exactly, but it was around the time of capital raising. So I guess you know it makes sense for them to be as optimistic as they can to get as high as price as they can. Mm-hmm. But it really just took off after that. The re- the price they raised capital at was still totally reasonable in my view actually mm-hmm. i wanted them to raise capital at a slightly higher price mm-hmm. so i actually think the people who had participated in that got a good deal mm. however uh yeah it became very unlikely in my mind that they would achieve their guidance and they have indeed abandoned their guidance today now by how much was have they moved away from that so uh, by my back of the napkin calculations their new guidance is 6.66 million uh in ARR by year, at least that much by year end. And what was the prior guidance? It was nine million. So that's a pretty Ooh, big change. Yeah. It's hefty. Yeah. yeah. So this this announcement came out today, and I kind of quickly scanned it through and didn't pick up that um, nugget at all. It was only when I read Claude's uh, tweet that I kind of um, you know <laughs> realized, I guess, what had happened. Yeah. So it's right. kind of yeah. So was the it, reason it, it for that easy is easy to miss, right? Well, yeah. In the announcement, they said uh, we now guide for. Um, ARR 85% over last mm. year. So you had to go back to last year, do 1.85 times 3.6 to get the new guidance. Yeah, no mention. We are not going to achieve the target we'd previously yeah. given. And now yeah. on the earnings call, the the CEO sort of outright said, you know, okay. it was previously 9 million, now it's this. Yeah. I don't think he's the kind of person that would have wanted it announced that way. Certainly if I speak to him again, I will point out that he should have just said hey yeah we- i mean this stuff always comes out anyway right it's not like no one's going to do but that what's calculation more, exactly. i've done more than most exactly. to, to support the bloody sh- excuse me but to support the share price mm-hmm. and now it's egg on my face for them to not just be absolutely upfront. Mm-hmm. and if anything you know they should have downgraded guidance last quarter mm-hmm. which i made it clear to a number of people that i thought that it was getting fully priced and in the end of the day 
unless you're raising capital, the company doesn't really benefit from having a super expensive share price. Mm. Either way, I still I still hold some shares. Usually, I'd probably sell out of a company that had this sort of massive downgrade. But I still hold some Volpara shares because I consider it a ethical investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want the company to succeed. And, you know, long term, I could see myself buying back in in a more meaningful way if it was offered at a more attractive price. Mm-hmm. Just a quick recap on what do Volpara do very quickly? So they basically have technology that helps better assess the uh, breast density of women who are having mammograms. Oh, yeah. And this, in turn, can basically help spot and stop breast cancers so they have good technology that can save lives it makes sense to be investing in this as a society we can use increasingly like ai and machine learning to sort of inform this sort of diagnostic medicine and so yeah i really hope that they succeed so shares down almost 10 percent today for those people who might be listening who haven't heard of it before or maybe are considering buying in is is that an opportunity now or is is this you know one that's sort of is it cheap today yeah is it yeah. cheap today? so i recommend you check out the graph on ethical equities that i just posted basically you can see that their new guidance is just for a continuation of the current rate of growth mm-hmm. now which is pretty decent. It's pretty decent, but I don't know if it really supports the current valuation. As mm-hmm. I said in that short update, even if we assume that they beat their guidance, which I think they will, because surely they wouldn't be so silly to yeah. do one that's you too high hope. again. Yeah. Hope, yeah. But I think they'll beat the guidance this time. And then even assuming that, so I've just assumed like, oh, maybe I can think they can probably get 7.5 mm-hmm. million in AR by end year, which is one more quarter away. They don't mm-hmm. have the normal reporting. Yeah. Even if they get that, then they're still trading on around 25 times recurring revenue. Yeah, it's pretty lofty. Yeah, so like... Forecast recurring revenue. Yeah, so I think I like to compare unprofitable uh, software as a service companies to Pushpay. Mm -hmm. And because I know Matt loves Pushpay. And so I ask myself, is this stock really better than Matt's favorite? (laughs) (laughs) And put it this way, you know, I... In the same time period that I was selling Volpara, I was buying up on Pushpay. It looks better to me on a better price, but we'll see what happens there. Fair mm-hmm. enough. And anything else come across your desk today in terms of these quarterly results? Yeah, well, so earlier this week, there was... Um, or Actually, we'll talk about one today and then we'll finish on a high. Okay. So one today, which come across our desks, and Matt actually pointed out the second announcement to me because it was laughable, was one called locality planning. Right. Yeah. And, like, and, and just to start, what do these guys do? They, I look. I'm not totally across this company because mm. I do not uh, <laughs> have sufficient confidence in them as a business mm-hmm. to want to really understand their business model. But it has to do with providing power to Strata and then increasingly other um, people. So they're basically in the more, retail. More from the billing side of things, as opposed to are they don't re- don't quiz me on this business. Okay. Like okay. I'm here to talk about the ridiculous announcement <laughs> that they put out today. Hit, hit me with yeah. that. Like, then. I don't why know was why it, I should why was it tell me after you hear this. Tell me why, <laughs> why I should spend my time more? trying to find out what exactly. I guess these we mentioned it though because it got a real buzz within the small cap community there for a yes. while. Oh, you know? people and, didn't and like really it when I started criticizing it. That we respect, you know, making some pretty good cases for it. So. So what 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 went wrong? What was wrong with the announcement? Okay, so on Friday at seven seventeen, an announcement came out that so said in the evening. This is, so this is yeah. in the evening before the long weekend. Yes, before yeah. the long weekend when yeah. everyone's going on their holidays or they're like clocking off totally or having a few out. drinks or mm. whatever, and they're not going to check back in 
they put out a announcement uh, to say that the revenue had is going to fall like very short of what they'd previously said, mm. but that you know uh, NPAT would be unaffected, and sort of this obviously put up alarm bells. The fact that it's at seven fifteen p.m. on a Friday night is holy moly for me. This is like a heuristic red flag. This is what I got out of following stocks that I didn't like is you got to see the patterns of companies that you never wanted to invest in. Mm-hmm. So one stock that I had to... Tell me where I'm going to go- die so exactly. I never go So there. one stock yeah. that I had to follow as it descended, in fact, you might know a bit about this company, Andrew, is um, Yellow Brick Road. Oh, yes. And I had to like Good write about this company as it sort of slowly <laughs> fell from like from 50 cents to like 10 cents. Do you or still own it, Andrew? What? I've never owned it. Oh, you never owned <laughs> no. it. Okay, okay. Whatever discount to tangible value it now trades at. Um, and so this was such a perfect one where I would never buy this stock because I did not have confidence that whatever value may be created somewhere would fall through to shareholders. And yep. indeed it has not. And now that's what the market is saying. So it was a, a lesson and then one that you can and roll forward the, to other... But one of the patterns of this company is at the end of earnings season or the end of the quarterly reporting season when everyone else will have done their stuff, at, you know, at 7.15 or 6.15 or 5.15. The 11th hour. The very last minute. Then uh, it was just always the last minute. It Can I ask you this them. though? Is there I'd ev- always have to finish it on this like sort of low of like, oh yeah, our underlying profit was good if you exclude X, Y, Z. Oh, good old underlying profit. Anyway, so this is why the 7.15 announcement put off alarm bells for me. I put yeah. out a tweet saying this is off the watch list now because it had been on my watch list just because other people who we think are smart and good investors and everyone makes mistakes sure. do like the stock. Yeah. So, you know, I was you pay attention and, when yeah, people you trust make, make a noise about a company. And yeah. also I get terrible ones wrong as well and lead people astray. So it's people, fine. People in glass not, houses. Yeah, I'm yeah. not saying there's 100%. anything wrong with liking the stock, but to me that is like a red flag. And then hilariously today at 3.50, right? So if ten, 10 minutes before market close. So if you'd sold on open today, you could have sold at 75 cents. Mm-hmm. But what would have been required would have been... Actually, someone replied to me on Twitter. I should get the guy's name. He's, he was bang on point mm. because he replied saying, it's not possible for NPAT to be unaffected. It mm. makes no sense. And he had some numbers to support it. Yeah. So this is free on Twitter. Some guy is just absolutely laying it down. And if you'd sold on that at 75 cents... It closed at 65 cents. Right. And that was 10 minutes after yeah, a, re- a revision to the announcement. I'm not exactly sure what happened, but I imagine what happened is at 350, it went into like pre open trading halt as they did a new announcement, which was that, oh, it had been a typo. <laughs> profit is not unaffected. Profit is, in fact, affected. Did we say unaffected? We meant affected. Oh, I guess no. Significantly one... affected. See, I guess another problem with releasing announcement at 7.15 before a long weekend is that maybe like you've rushed through that and haven't um investor relations are more focused yeah. on other things someone forget to proofread that can, can i so like, again is there ever been an example in the history of the world where a company has made a really bad announcement very very at like the last minute and then it's just been forgotten about by the time trade resumes like does anyone ever it's get away not with even it? about i'm not even trying to say that they're like trying to bury it i'm just trying to say it's poor form uh, it's you, total you don't, poor form. I mean, my point is it's poor form but there's no people. benefit to it anyway if so. i sent you an important work email at 7.15 on the Friday, I would quite literally preface that with, hey, I don't expect you to even read this until Monday, but blah, blah, blah. So so one of the the replies that I saw saw you get, and I actually thought it was a pretty good one at at face value, which is that 
Well, Buffett releases his annual report uh, just after close on a Friday. And the argument being is that it gives investors the maximum amount of time to digest all of that new content before trade resumes. So it helps, the argument goes, that there is a mar far more informed market when trade does commence again. Yeah. What, what say that? Well, so that? I think that that is perfectly sensible. However, with like absolute respect, I don't think Buffett's 100-page annual report is analogous <laughs> in any way to this half-page yeah. announcement. That's a pretty good answer. And that's fine. And if you want to invest on the basis that it's a half-page announcement is the same as a 100-page report, sure. that's fine. Yeah. Maybe when you read a downgrade, you want the weekend to meditate on it. Right. That, that you could also argue. Mm -hmm. Me, personally, I would much prefer the announcement come out at 9.30 in the morning on a, on a Monday, mm. but actually be correct. Yeah. And maybe if they'd waited over the weekend mm -hmm. and proofread it with fresh eyes... They would have got it. Correct. Yeah, or fix it on Monday morning, or even know, like just fix, or even <laughs> proofread it at any point between when they posted it on Friday nah. and then trade on Monday. But like, how did that go through the whole day of trade yeah. on? And Monday? again, this is a short document, right? It's like yeah. a half page. So right no one how much digestion. So they basically sent this off on Friday, and then they're like, "Oh, we're done, guys. Let's yeah. go on holiday." Beer so o'clock. Do you I'll think there's some poor person that had to type it up on Friday and just like wrote it down wrong or something? Like, how does this Who happen? Who knows? It's not even about that. It's just like, to me, this sort of stuff is CEO level. Yeah. Like you're communicating something disappointing to your shareholders. Yeah. You should be involved in that. Mm. So... And so, another thing I quite enjoy is sometimes when you when they update to the ASX, they'll you'll see the file name that it was saved under by them, <laughs> and so it'll be like final final version four final final. And you just imagine all the sweat, which probably wouldn't have happened in this case, right? Yeah, yeah. Of just bouncing back and forwards as someone this revising. Case, it was probably like document one. Yeah, document one. <laughs> so I guess bottom line is this like an instant. I'm not saying that the business is bad. I understand that i'm probably missing the investment of an opportunity but, but if i'm if i if i can paraphrase you and i sh should put my hand up i have done no research on this at all it, it 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 seems like a very distressing red flag yeah so like my hair's already thinning and i don't need the extra stress <laughs> of companies that do this sort of thing fair enough it's a good way of putting it hey matthew yeah should we do some questions wait 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 oh there's oh, more. One more. Oh, one more. So we're going to Sorry. kick this one off with matt was going to Perhaps uh, tell us a about little about the, the business. So, and the business is Ordinate. Yeah. Ordinate. So, I'll do a little intro on the and company. That's Claude and I both like this one. No, that's ASX AD8, is the ticker. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> uh, <laughs> tell us about Ordinate. Yeah, I'll just quickly update on what the business does. So, mm -hmm. it provides uh, audio networking. Um, solution which is both software and hardware based and the, the key thing that they do is allow really high quality audio to be sent over ethernet cables um, and traditional currently most of the industry the vast majority 95 percent is over um, traditional analog cables yep. uh, which are needed for a few reasons it's really hard to do it over, uh, digitally um, but ordinate kind of crack the code and have a standard that is the whole industry is kind of building around so they've got very large market share and these things tend to be winner take all because everyone starts building to the Dante standard so yeah very Dante attractive being one. their product but Dante and, being and, their and product and what's really yeah. exciting about this is that there is a legitimate structural shift in this industry yeah and this tiny little ASX listed company relatively relatively tiny 
is the, the legitimate world leader in this. And like some really big name clients, mm -hmm. they've got some really, really great traction, things seem to be going well. Yeah, and you go back to like the, the early 90s when companies would uh, own a technology like this, it's really powerful. So people, Super. the customers are quite sensitive to someone owning that much, um, having that much power in the industry. But they've managed it really well and been really customer friendly, so it's going very well at the moment. Um, but yeah, so and then they released a, a latest quarterly, which uh, Claude covered for Ethical Equities and might be able to run us through. A bit yeah, I was tell us all I about was it. super psyched that Matt read my update, even though it was really short. <laughs> and it was very quick. You only had to email it to him five times. But <laughs> I think I did actually ask for comments. Maybe that's why I read it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. So uh, by the way, I'm going to put the links to these um, blog posts yeah, to your yeah, website in the, in the sure. show notes. Oh, you're welcome to. Anyhow, the, the main point is that uh, they did manage to collect record receipts from customers. Great. Which is always nice to see. Towards a level that they had indicated was uh, they were on track for? So or? they didn't give any sort of cash flow guidance. They've got revenue guidance, which mm -hmm. still remains pretty plausible. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I would keep in mind is that Last year, the third quarter was actually below the second quarter mm. in, in terms of cash flow. So I don't know if they've got some sort of pattern going Seasonality on. Seasonality effect or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I wouldn't be overly disturbed if we do see a little drop off next quarter. As a result of that, I'm sanguine about the share price right now. I'd probably wait for a like slightly weaker quarter. Having said that, it is one of my bigger holdings. We should do more of a deep dive on this one of these weeks because um, it's something yeah. that's so certainly actually, piqued my interest. Do you guys own Ordinate? Shares? I don't, but I do. I've, 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 Matt yeah, does. The, the fact that you know Matt owns it <laughs> and others that I respected really made me think I need yeah. to do some work. It's on. not a major position. I don't want to like oversell yeah, it because yeah. the valuation. I think Claude and I are both sensitive to the valuation, but it's a very good business. It is yeah, pretty yeah. highly valued. I'm not buying at current prices. Mm -hmm. I'm holding. Okay. I think it's a long term story. If it's going to play out, there's going to be plenty of time to watch revenues grow year after year yeah. after year after year. And it's one of those things, given the size of the industry, that that pretty eye-watering level of growth could actually increase and be sustained for many years yet, right? Yeah, so it'll be like affected by the overall consumer spending indirectly, mm -hmm. but it should have semi-recurring, I say semi-recurring revenue because every time its customers sell something, they're going to be paying ordinate. Yeah. Highly repeating revenue. Mm. Yeah. And this kind of growth model is something I really, really like because it can be one of those situations where someone else's capital is growing your business. So every time one of their yeah. customers invests in a brand new product, mm. markets it, sends salespeople out to you know, mm -hmm. get people to buy it, that's their capital. Mm. But ordinate just gets yeah. a little bit out of it. Just clip that ticket. And yeah. I love... Those kind of businesses, Me too. because yeah, they they couldn't get higher levels of profits for longer. That's yeah, fantastic. Really so you're happy with the update? Uh, shares are up yeah, almost two percent today. I didn't think it was that amazing. Like it, yep. it came, it moved up a little bit prior to the four C, which is something I never really like to see. Mm -hmm. um, I never like to see a big move right before results. Because I tell you what, I wonder if someone. Used <laughs> I like it. Even I like it more when, than when shares fall before. <laughs> yeah, well, that's worse. That's, but even then, I don't think that there was. You know, I don't know why there's anything in this that would ne necessarily make people like want to jump on all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. um, there was, you know, big sort of venture capitalists selling down a while ago. And I think Superfund's buying. So that's interesting as okay. well. Okay. All right. Well, one to watch. And we might circle back on that in a future episode. Gents, let's, in the remaining uh, minutes that we have, let's burn through some uh, viewer questions. Some might call them listener questions. 
Um, <laughs> you can view on YouTube. The, you, you the picture can doesn't view move. On you. The picture doesn't move, but you are technically viewing. Yeah. Um, we had a bunch here, so uh, let's let's get through some. Uh, David David has written in. Uh, we have known him in a f- former life as Uncle Wally, is one of his online user names, and uh, he says that he'd like to hear our opinions on any international ideas we might like to we might like or own, and possibly a quick rundown on opening an overseas an overseas brokerage account. Um, there is a little bit of stuff that's involved there in forms and that. Is it one of these things that's really too onerous or is that just a convenient excuse for not getting it getting it done? Matt, let's start with the first part of that question. Uh, what are some international ideas you'd like to highlight? Yeah, so I don't. Um, I focus very much on the Australian and New Zealand stock exchange. So mm-hmm. New Zealand might count, but um, I think he's thinking a bit broader than that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, think, I think he's fact, probably. I don't even. <laughs> I don't think we know how to buy New Zealand stocks. So. Yeah, true. There's a stock market there. <laughs> this is why I love it because no one else is looking. You're, you have to fly. This is there. like my no, dream is to have no one else looking at the share yeah, market. Like look at it all day. So I think the the way you buy New Zealand stocks is you wait for your mate. <laughs> start a New Zealand stock fund. Yeah, and that's going to happen. Oh, happen. very interesting yeah. indeed. So, so um, but yeah, so thinking more globally, I yeah. guess um, one that I'd covered previously on here was was Facebook. Um, but that's a very painful stock to own because every day it is bombarded by all the terrible things the company's doing. Yes. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how how um, gung ho I should be on that company. Um, but but yeah, I'd refer, a few uh, for, I'd refer yeah. David back to, back to, to our podcast. previous episode because yeah, sure. yeah, I think I think we had some good things to say on can that. I, can I hit pause on that just for one sec? So how do you guys invest overseas? Uh, I actually don't do any direct investments overseas. I do it all through ETFs. And Matt? Yeah, I own a, open a brokerage account. Um, Charles Schwab is what yeah, I use. Yeah, right. yeah. I have a I have another account as well, but yeah, that's the main one that I use. So I just use Comsec, well, uh, which I'm not saying is the best way. Yeah, there's basically Comsec's okay. I think the fees are relatively high, but it's twenty bucks a trade okay. for US. It yeah, used to be a hundred bucks. Yeah, wow, yeah, it's yeah, twenty high. bucks now. Okay, but okay. oh, there's no excuse, right? Then like the thing is, um, I'm pretty sure. I think maybe only US is the only one you can do online right. with Comsec. I'm not sure. That's the only one I've ever done. So look, okay, there are some forms to fill out. It is a it, it's a hassle. Like no one likes to fill out forms from any kind of bank or financial it's institution. Not that, it's actually not that. But bad. it's not really that hard. And you know, within a week of today, you'll be able to trade um, it's directly to, you know, in overseas markets. It's harder to set up a account with interactive brokers which i almost mm. did a bunch of times you mm. have to jump through a lot more i have routes. an account with him it's i wouldn't recommend it i hear great <laughs> yeah. things about the platform though it's very advanced you feel like right. you're taking off as like launching a spaceship every time you log in it's like you're very afraid to touch wait anything. so you have wow. child shop okay. and interactive brokers yeah. yeah and interactive brokers is like you have everything you have options and like yeah, oh, it's yeah. Awesome. yeah. is that why you got it um, yeah, that was primarily where we were looking at. But I guess the yeah. point is, is that um, a there's a, there's a lot of great opportunities out there. Ninety eight percent of global equity markets are outside of outside of Australia. And b yeah, it's a bit of a hassle, but it's not it's not something that should prevent you if that's what you want to do. Yeah, for me, it depends on what your style is. Like, I mm. am quite a like like most of us, I think, quite deep um, research kind of investor. I like to own a few fairly concentrated and do a lot of work on them. Yep. Um, and for me, it's not really, that's why it's not a big focus in the US. It's just there's so much 
like, like New Zealand, you guys yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. even know you there's a stock market there. I prefer that kind of yeah. that kind of end of the market. So occasionally, like I have a small percent of my total portfolio in the US. Mm. Partly that's just to have some money in US dollars. Um, yeah, so I would I'd say it depends if you're like buying a, a big broad swathe of companies, mm. which a lot of folks like to do. Um, then that could be a good reason to like own some of the the best companies in the world yeah. in I'll, the US. I'll tell people what I own in the US. Actually, I don't. Have a, I'm like you. I have a very small amount, and I actually learned that the hard way i feel like a bit disappointed disappointed because i thought oh you know i'll buy some of these big companies and then after a little while i thought oh i don't know anything about these companies relative to how well i'm used to knowing yeah and particularly knowing better than the next best investor there exactly the next analyst yeah four thousand people you know even though if you focus on like you know if you'd bought netflix in 2013 you'd have been Mm. a genius and made so much money that's what i was focused on when i was like i have to start investing in the u.s the reality was is that i don't know i don't have any informational advantage in mm. buying these stocks mm. so i'm actually much more comfortable with some like 20 like laser bond or whatever i doubled my money on in six months mm. well it's different when if you're running a hundred billion dollar fund you you can't do what you're doing but you know, I, think yeah. it's, I think it's fair to say none of us are doing that so, so it's i much an prefer the small cap stuff however just pretty much to alleviate my fomo I bought Match Group, which uh, who own Tinder, they own Tinder, yeah, amongst, and and also Match dot com. So th- they own dating. Right? Don't make my investment thesis too complicated. Man. <laughs> 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 um, and I own uh, Atlassian because yeah. it's Australian. Nice. Very um, patriotic of you. By the way, there's seven hundred and fifty dollars in there before you like. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get too excited. Yeah. yeah, I roll. And um, actually, the one stock that I've done really well at. Mm-hmm. on the US was 100% because of Dr. Anuban Mahanti, who told Doc. me to buy it, and I blind-followed him. Which one was that? It was Altrix. Oh, nice one. Doc. I think that went up like yeah. more than double since he told me. Good one. Cool. And he was like really excited about it, and I was like, okay, yeah. I'm going to do what you're doing. <laughs> and also own Google. And uh-huh, so most yeah. of it's just Google, and yep. I'm just going to keep buying Google. Yeah, yeah. Um, this actually segues nice into uh, the next question, which is from Daniel. Um, he gives us a, a nice shout out, enjoying the podcast, learning much wisdom. Big thank you. I'm looking at an ETF. Uh, ASX code here is NDQ, which gives access to uh, high US market leaders, specifically the NASDAQ here and appropriately weighted as such. Um, I would like a discussion a bit about this and some insights into the risks of ETFs in general. Now, ETFs have come up a few times. And I think the reason I say uh, it segues nicely into that formal one is because that's how I get my exposure. I, I prefer, I've only got limited time. I prefer to focus my efforts on, on the ASX. But like you, Claude, I have serious FOMO. And I, I, I feel as though I'd have a lot of explaining to, to do to my children and grandchildren. If in 20 years time, I say, yeah, I spent a good part of my life investing in markets, but I chose not to invest in Google and Facebook and Amazon and the rest of it. Um, do you guys have any particular insight into this ETF or do you have a comment about ETFs in general? Claude? I'm not convinced that it's better to buy the ETF, at, we're talking about the NASDAQ ETF, yeah. over just buying Google shares. That's okay. my comment. However, I know a lot of people who do buy NASDAQ ETF because they can buy it on the ASX. Mm. And if that is the main reason that people buy that over just Google shares, 
then I'm going to take my Google shares and go. Isn't it also <laughs> about diversification? As great as Google may be, and again, we but should Google's probably do an episode on that. <laughs> yeah, but but you know, there's there's Google's there's diversified. It's there's Netflix, it's there's everything. Atlassian, as Google you mentioned, there's Match, there's all of these other ones. They're the all dependent on Google. Advocates of ETFs would say Except that yes, Atlassian. if I buy this particular ETF, I will get I actually get exposure to Google. Plus, I'll get exposure to a whole bunch of other stuff but as well. But if you buy Google, you get exposure to everything. Yeah, oh man, such I'm I'm resisting the urge to go down that rabbit hole because there's so much to say. So, but what but if, in principle, are you like if, uh, Matt very eloquently said before that unless you are prepared to sort of do the deep dive and feel as though you've got some advantage, is that is that a very very tall order when that for mar- like you know orders of magnitude less effort you can still get a, a great deal of exposure and very likely probably be, beat all the professionals okay. in that space. Let anyway. me just say this. Sorry. Go on. No, 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 no. <laughs> you, can't, you can't leave me hanging. Okay. Well, if you Google Amazon, the first result is a paid Amazon ad. There you go. That's good. Um, so, <laughs> the question was about the NASDAQ ETF or in general ETF. Yeah. 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 Do you, do you, I do think you that ETF? Yeah. So, um, I used to use it with a portfolio that I managed, ETF sometimes. And yep. it was primarily a way to like get a exposure to something that you can't get in Australia. So I think that's quite good. Yep. If you wanted exposure to the Aussie dollar for some reason in your portfolio, or to the US dollar, sorry, you can do that via an ETF quite easily. If you wanted the big tech companies and there's not very many in Australia, then that NASDAQ's not a bad idea. Yep. Um, I prefer like more specialized ones, like mm-hmm. um, previously invested in the Global Cybersecurity ETF. Hack. Hack. H-M-C-K. Uh, which I don't own currently, but yeah. yeah. Um, whoa, but yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't own it anymore? No, I'm more concentrated these days. So it wasn't it wasn't months. any reversal of opinion no, there. No, no. It was just you preferred yeah. to oh, it was an opportunity cost. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh okay, last one and this one comes from Christian. This is a really interesting one. It's a very short question, but uh, man, there's 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 a lot to say here. He says, if there's a route, if the market just gets into a bit of a tizzy and and falls significantly, he asks do you jump in straight away or do you wait? Who wants to tackle that one first? Um, I'll have a go. Okay. So you should wait until the market bottoms and then you should buy. Yeah, ah, wait until <laughs> the exact bottom and then you jump in. Yeah, yeah. no, uh, my, my opinion is that you shouldn't be thinking about whether the market what the market's doing like if you're buying individual companies you should be buying individual companies um you might think that there's more panic coming so you might not like try and deploy everything the second you get like a 10 percent discount that's something to think about right but it should really be about the individual companies that become at extreme and that's that's the sweet release you get from not trying to um buy all of the stocks that you read in all the financial media and all that yeah. sort of stuff mm. when you're really actually if you're willing to actually do the effort to do research that is the sweet thing is that some small cap stock that's having its sales go up is going to have its share price go up or if it's yeah. got profits mm. regardless of what's going on Absolutely. and if nothing else even in the sort of GFC style event mm. it'll at least well hopefully there's some stocks you own that'll at least keep paying dividends yeah, and I've been both. Like, there's definitely times where I feel like if you don't have enough good ideas, it's it's quite stressful. Yeah. If you don't know where you want to be deploying yep. cash, but then if you do, if you're doing the work and you have those ideas, it becomes a really exciting time. And so, like, I think that's the thing to think about. Like, yep. if you're nervous that the markets might fall. To me, at least, the way I think about it for myself, it means I haven't been working hard enough to find ideas. Right. Like during that December crash, 
um, had a bit of time off and was just focused purely on investing and was extremely excited when the market was crashing and was hoping mm. it would crash more every day and was disappointed if it didn't mm. because I had a few companies that I was like very excited to be buying. Waiting. Um, but at other times, obviously, if you don't have that, suddenly all that stress starts coming back in. And what matters, of course, is whether or not you're buying this thing at, at a level which represents actual value. I mean, if you do that, even if it happens to be 20, 30% away from whatever the eventual bottom is, by definition, mm. you will get a good return. But and that's not an easy thing to do, do you, but let's just contrast that with the actual difficulty involved of timing to, with any precision, major turning points on the market. I just don't think it's gonna be, could, could, could you do it? Possibly. Okay. Should you do it? If you can, will you likely do it? Probably not. So focus on the thing that's, that's gonna be far easier. So I think the most it. important thing is have a setup whereby if the market does crash, you can, over time, gradually deploy that capital in. Mm. Not all at once. Don't jump in at one minute. Gradually deploy as stuff's going down, which is, I think, what Matt was sort of explaining in yeah. his yeah, mindset as well. That's hundred percent. And I and I just re reiterate the point that it's it's more about where the relative value of you know that that definition of is the current market price less than your value of the company, and if so, do that, and everything will come out okay. But that's a good segue. How do there's few and fewer places where you can actually learn about valuation, find out about valuation. We have our mate Owen. He's got a good resource for valuation, but also he does. Strawman actively invites people to we share do. valuations and you can look into the re revenue profits and all those sort of forecasts. I'll slip you some cash later, my friend. Thank you very much <laughs> for that mention. But most importantly, you've been going on Oh, non-stop about the You've been very restrained during this podcast actually yeah the the revamp of the straw man website so i guess my question to the listeners is could you pl could you please go to his website so he stops telling us about his revamp check it out it's it's new and improved I, i'll personally straw appreciate man 2.0 yeah. yeah it's uh we look we it was a lot of work but um We've managed to make it live. There's still a whole bunch of stuff that we've got in I've the, got to in the pipe. I've got the valuation stuff there. But yeah, I, I yeah. think I, I always I always crap on and on and on about this. But it's just like honestly, don't do it for the community. Do it for yourself. Write down some reasons as to why you're buying the stock. Set a valuation out well, there. You'll make smarter decisions. And I think it, it just it, it, it's it's good for you. It's good for the community. It's I actually do think it is good for people if they jot down some thoughts. Guys, look, thank uh, you so Andrew, much. Andrew, did you, did you have an answer for the last question? The routing. When, when uh, I, I, I'm actually going to. Um, no, don't sit on the fence. No, I'm not going to sit on the fence. I'm just going to boringly agree with you guys. I, okay. I, I, I but think is it's, it? We were given two options. Do you jump in or do you wait? Which is it? I well, the, the answer is it depends, right? The answer the answer is. I think that you just ease in. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't even. I honestly, I don't even try and bother. I, I, some of the best investments I've ever made, I timed horribly, and some of the, some of the investments that turned out to be really disastrous, I actually had some really luck, really early luck on the timing. I just the, the longer I've been doing this, you know, I, I'm investing legitimately with a three to five year view. I just I, I really see timing as being one of those things that's less and less and less important. And it's also recognizing my abilities as an investor. Some people will be shouting at their their audio device right now going, yeah, it's really easy and I do great at it. Well, that's good. I can't do it. And it's recognition that I, I can't time markets that I don't try and do it. So when the market has a big route, I'm generally excited because it means I get to put some more money at work. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna think things are all of a sudden fantastic because it's ten or twenty percent cheaper. It depends on the context. I think the answer is dollar cost averaging. If you sort of Google that concept, it gives you 
the most it's, it's one of those it's like diversification it's one of those like guaranteed wins that you get in investing you know it's, it's one of those things that you can very very easy to conceptualize very very easy to implement and one of those things that more often than not will lead to a very positive outcome Let's put a pin in it, gents. Thanks again. Matt, how can people get in contact with us if they want to? Um, yeah, so you can uh, email us at threewisemonkeys, T-H-R-E-E, wisemonkeys, <laughs> at gmail.com. Um, and you can follow me at Twitter, uh, at Matt Joss or mattjoss.com. Nice. Until next time, thank you very much. You didn't do the outro for Claude, Andrew. Oh, yeah, Claude. Well, let me just say... Okay, and that's enough of that. Thank you so much for listening to the Three Wise Monkeys podcast. We'll be back next week with more. Until then, thanks for listening. See ya. (laughs) 